We like to categorize people and put ourselves in different boxes. But according to God's word, all of us fit into just one box. Here's Trent Griffith. Do you understand there are not good people and bad people? Do you understand there's not sinners and non-sinners? Everybody has sinned. Everybody deserves the wrath of God. The question is this, what will you do when you are made aware of your sin? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. If you've ever shopped for a diamond ring or a necklace or maybe even earrings, you might've noticed something. Jewelry stores often use a dark colored background to display their diamonds. Have you ever thought about why? Well, I think it has a lot to do with contrast. The dark background helps us see the sparkling beauty of the diamond even better. It's the same with the gospel. The more we see how desperate our situation is apart from God, the more we'll appreciate the amazing beauty of what he's done for us. We're about to hear part two of a message from Pastor Trent, which he started last week. We'll hit some highlights from part one, then we'll finish the message. It's titled, Breath Taken by the Depth of Sin. Here's Pastor Trent. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. Let's read it together. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That ought to take your breath away. It continues in verse two, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. (sighs) Today we're going to examine the absolutely breathtaking reality that our sin is awful in the eyes of God, and it ought to take our breath away. We're going to answer three questions. Here are the three questions. What is sin? Number two, what tempts me to sin? What's so enticing about it? And then number three, what does sin do? Are you ready to jump into it? We need some answers to those questions, okay? So first of all, what is sin? And we've already kind of said this, but sin is awful. And we spelled it that way because it, we're looking for a deeper awe around the reality of sin. If you're here tonight and you are a Christian, your sin has been forgiven. You have looked to Jesus Christ and placed your faith in him for your, the forgiveness of sin. You've repented of sin. You still need to be reminded of how awful sin is. You should never forget The breathtaking awfulness of sin. He wants us to know sin is awfully bad and sin is awfully deep still on the inside of the human heart. It's deadly, according to verse 1. 
You were dead in trespasses and sin. So what is sin? Sin is awful. Here's the next thing. Sin is crossing the line. Let's give it some more definition here. Do you see what he says here? That you were dead in trespasses. If you have the NIV, it says transgressions there. It simply means a line that has been crossed. It means leaving the path and wandering into territory that doesn't belong to you. God wants us on the right side of the line. Sin is crossing the line. Not only that, sin is missing the mark. You see the next word there? And you were dead in trespasses and sins. It's plural. It's talking about activity, things that we do, sins of commission, but also sins of omission, things that we've left undone. A lot of us think, I haven't done a whole lot of bad stuff in my life. Yeah, but think about the good stuff you've left undone. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. It means missing the mark. I am not a sinner because I commit sins. I commit sins because I am a sinner. What is sin? Sin is awful. Sin is crossing the line. Sin is missing the mark. Here's the next question. What tempts us to sin? Why? If, if sin is so awful, why, is, why am I so attracted to it? Well, this verse tells us in verse 2. It says, in which you once walked following First of all, the course of this world. He's about to introduce us to a triple tyranny. There are three slave masters. There are three wardens, three prison guards that keep us in bondage to sin. The first one he mentions here is the course of this world. And so we have this temptation by the world. Secondly, we have something called the prince and the power of the air. Notice it here in verse 2. He says, following, there's a second thing we're following. We're following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Sounds kind of spooky, doesn't it? What's this air and what's this spirit? It's, it's not too mystical. It's just the invisible world. We, we believe in God. If God's invisible, there is an opposing force to God. His name is Satan, and he has some measure of authority. He has some power. He does not have all power. And his realm is everything from the earth to the heavens, the space in between. We call it the air. And so he is the prince of the power of the air. So here we are occupying the same space as Lucifer, now Satan, who is still doing today the same thing that he was doing on the day that he was kicked out of heaven. He's leading a rebellion against God and he wants to take you and your family with him. And it's working against you. And do you know how he entices you? He entices you with the same temptation he had, he wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to be equal to or greater than God. And do you know what the core of sin is? The core of sin is a declaration of independence from God to say, God, I don't need you. I don't need your boundaries. 
I will make my own boundaries and I will be like God. And not only are you declaring independence from God, you are declaring war on God, the rightful authority and ruler of the universe. So sin is declaring independence from God. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the scripture says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. How would you like to be called of the devil? You make a practice of sinning, then it would be an indication that you have not gotten off the course of this world. You're still following the prince and the power of the air. You're a son of disobedience and you need to repent of sin. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, it says in 1 John 3, verse 8. If you're a parent, you see this sin sickness in your children every time, even as six months, 12 months, 18 months old, you, you try to draw a line and you create a boundary as a parent and you say no. And what do they do? They follow the prince and the power of the air that is at work in the sons of disobedience and they don't like boundaries. And they grow up and they become like you and me and we don't like boundaries either. We want to be our own God. That is at the depth of who we are. And if you don't confront it, by the way, as a parent of a young child, you're going to be dealing with a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old that doesn't like boundaries that much either. So, we're tempted by the course of this world. We're tempted by the prince and the power of the air. There's one other thing, and it's found in verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so here's the third temptation. It's the passion of the flesh. And it's almost as if we want to say, you know, if it wasn't for this world, I wouldn't sin. If it wasn't for that mean old devil tempting me all the time, I wouldn't sin. Wait a minute. The biggest problem you've got is you. You like it. You've got appetites and desires that are drawn like a magnet to the passions of what is called the flesh. The flesh is an interesting word in Scripture. We can think about skin. That's, that's probably the container of our flesh, but it goes much deeper to our very core, our nature, our appetites, our wants, our desires it talks about. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You make yourself an enemy of God if your mind is set on, sunk down deep into Controlled by the flesh. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It is incapable of submitting to the law of God. That's how bent my flesh is toward sin. The cravings of my flesh actually turn good things into God things. Think about it. What, what do you crave? If, if you're honest, you would say, well... I've got a craving for food. How many of you right now could 
use this cheeseburger? Um, Krispy Kreme donut, anybody? And I was like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a glorious craving, right? But you can turn even food into an object of worship that actually controls you. What you crave ends up consuming you. So the desire for food is not sin. The desire for love is not sin. Anybody here want to be loved? Anybody here want to be loved by your husband, your wife, your children, your mom, your dad? Yeah, the desire for love is not sin. But you can turn the desire, the craving for love into an addiction to a relationship so that you begin to worship the object of the one you love. And it becomes sin. We have desires for rest. We have desires for sex. Those things can be turned into God things, laziness, or addiction to pornography, or materialism, or self-indulgent attention. All of these things that our body craves, our body and our mind, can turn into things that are sinful things. People that misunderstand what it means to be a Christian think that somehow God is trying to keep good things from us. No, he's not. He's trying to keep good things from becoming God things in our lives. I saw a tweet this week from John Piper. He said it this way. God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy. All of these things can be, bring great joy, food and love and rest, and, and they can all kill you if they become sin in our lives. Here's the last question. What does sin do? Here's the first thing, very simply. Sin kills. Sin is deadly. And it ought to take your breath away to know the damage and the deadliness that sin is. This means, in verse 1, when he says, you were dead, what, what does that mean? It means not only that sin renders you totally depraved, it also renders you totally incapable of responding to God. A dead person can't do anything about being dead. And so to understand what God has done to bring us from death to life in regeneration is a breathtaking reality in the Scripture. We need to understand the penalty for sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, very famous verse. The wages of sin is death. Do you get a paycheck? Do you have some wages? You work all week. At the end of the week, you get some wages. Here's the reality. The wages of your working sinful heart produces death. It kills. It destroys. It doesn't just make you sick. It makes you dead. Totally incapable of responding to God. Sin literally will take your breath away. Really. Forever. That's how deadly sin is. We think about death, most often we think about physical death, and we would describe that as the separation of the body from the soul. We would think about it that way. But the spiritual understanding of death is this. It is the separation 
of the soul from God. It is being forever separated from the life-giving source that is God. And Scripture warns us of the fear and the horror of being isolated forever from God. Sin kills your capacity to know God. If that doesn't take your breath away, maybe this will. Sin invites God's wrath. Again, we see it there in verse 3. We were by nature children of wrath. Now, if you turn on the television and listen to some smiley-faced preacher, he will probably not tell you the reality of the wrath of God. It's not a popular subject. I do not understand how preachers in good conscience can know about the wrath of God written in Scripture and not warn people that not only does sin kill, sin invites the wrath of God. God is not indifferent toward our sin. God's not complacent toward sin. For Him to overlook sin, for Him not to pour out wrath on sin, would be to deny His very nature because His nature is the opposite of sin. It is righteousness and holiness. Understand this. God sees sin. God hates sin. God is angered by sin. God judges sin. God reproves sin and God punishes sin. The wrath of God is meant to remind us of the severity of our sin. It should take our breath away to pause and to think about the price tag and the anger of God, the wrath that is poured out on sin. The book of Revelation gives us a preview of what it will be like when God pours out his wrath on unrepentant sinners. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 1, all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. They will call out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. When you think about a lamb, do you think about wrath? The lamb of God has a gentle, forgiving loving approach to those who repent of sin, but the Lamb of God has a wrath toward those who refuse to repent of sin. For the great day of wrath has come, it says, and who can stand? Revelation chapter 19, those who do not know Jesus as Savior will know him as their judge as he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Understand this. All sin, each and every sin, will be punished. Either on the cross in Christ or in hell, eternally separated from the life-giving source who is God. It's the gospel that points us to the cross, 
Those of us who have repented of sin and put faith in Jesus Christ, when we look at the cross, it takes our breath away because it's in that moment when I see the torture and I see the blood and I see the brutality of how Jesus was treated, I understand that was the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus in my place. That's the gospel. It's the good news that the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of all those who will repent and believe the gospel. If you want to escape the wrath of God, you must turn from your sin. Turn from following the course of this world. Turn from following the prince and the power of the air. Turn from the passions and the desires of your flesh and follow Christ. It's the only way to escape the wrath of God. And if you want, you can escape the wrath of God right here, right now. What does sin do? Sin kills. Sin invites the wrath of God. And finally, sin infects everybody. Do you understand there are not good people and bad people? Do you understand there's not sinners and non-sinners? Everybody has sinned. Everybody deserves the wrath of God. The question is this. What will you do when you are made aware of your sin. Everybody feels guilt over sin. Everybody feels shame. Everybody has regret over sin. But there are basically two options when it comes to sin. You can either excuse, justify, defend, rationalize, hide, and blame somebody else for your sin. That's one course of action. You can minimize it. Or the other course of action is this. You can agree with God that it's awfully bad and it's awfully deep, resulting in acknowledging your need for an external righteousness to be granted to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Back up in verse 1. It says, you were dead. There's hope. Do you understand that in this room right now, there's only two types of people, okay? There are people in this room who were dead in their sins. And there are people in this room who are dead in their sins. If tonight you sense that you are dead, do you know what that is? That is God calling you off the course of this world, out of the prince and the power of the air, out of the passions and cravings of your flesh, and get on a new road and granting you, wanting to grant to you a life-giving, fresh start and new beginning in Christ can I ask you, are you dead or were you dead? There's only two types. If you are dead and would like to change the status and become a part of the people who were dead, 
but have now been made alive in Jesus Christ, you can respond right now to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you to bow your heads. And if right now you're feeling the weight and the guilt as we talked about the wrath of the Lamb of God, if maybe for the first time tonight you're beginning to see the depth of your sin, the reality of the wrath of God toward all those who refuse to repent, if tonight you want a new life in Christ, if you want to be made alive in Christ, if you want sin forgiven, if you want to turn from sin and follow Jesus Christ, why don't you just open your heart to him right now and tell him that, just from your heart to his. You might say, I've gone too long minimizing my sin. Somehow I've thought I can be good enough. I can try harder. Maybe you've even hidden your sin. God sees it. Why don't you just tell him? Maybe even by name. Let him know where you've crossed the line, where you've missed the mark. And if tonight you walked into this place dead in trespasses and sin, why don't you ask him for new life in Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive that sin. Thank him for the cross. Thank him for being the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Commit your life to him. Father, tonight I pray that you would not let us breathe under the weight of how awful our sin is. God, there's a part of us that wants to rejoice. We want to go to the next verse. We want, to, we want to celebrate the grace that is available. And yet tonight, God, we don't want to rush past how deep, how personal disobedience is to you. It grieves your heart. Angers you. Tonight, all of us come with a need for forgiveness of sin. And God, I pray the pattern of our life would be marked by humility that deals deeply with sin. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're feeling heaviness about your own sin right now, that is actually a really good thing. It's God's way of letting you know that there's a problem. And remember, He is a solution. You know, we can't just muster up obedience all on our own. No, that actually won't work. We need God's help to turn from our sin and towards Him. Well, if that's where you find yourself today, I'd encourage you to search out a godly person in your life and be open and honest about where you're at. Why don't you ask for prayer and trust that Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead is enough to deal with your sin problem. Well, if you're looking for a church where they're not ashamed to talk about sin and its solution, why don't you visit Gospel City Church? 
We have a campus in Granger, Indiana, and one in Elkhart County as well. Just go to mygospelcity.org and click where you see I'm new here. That's where you can learn more about when and where we meet. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week on Resonate, Trent will show us the strong resolution to our sin problem. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.